Welcome to Have You Not Read, a podcast seeking to answer questions from the text of Scripture for the honor of Christ and the edification of the saints. Before we dig into our topic, we humbly ask you to rate, review, and share the podcast. Thank you. Welcome back to Have You Not Read. I'm Dylan Hamilton, and with me are Michael Deerham and Jonathan Deerham. We are fielding another question about music this time, and this one might uh, go to blows depending upon our stances. Um, but the question reads, should Christians listen to secular music? Michael, would you like to start us off? Right. So as we hear this question, we should provide some definitions. I think probably the main word that we need to define is secular. Okay. Because the term secular has often been used um, as uh, a bit of witchcraft, a piece of fiction to talk about that which exists outside the religious sphere, as if there's some kind of arena called neutrality and that music can be created in this neutral realm. And no matter what your religious commitments are, no matter your philosophical views or or whatever, everybody can come around a wonderful bit of pop music and everybody really enjoys it and everybody has a fun time and, and so on. The idea that something is secular is probably not the best way to identify music. All music has religious commitments. All music is derived from not only the the creators of that music, but those who take it and play it for themselves in their own way. Everybody involved is made in the image of God. So everybody is religious by default. Everybody made in the image of God has the worship switch hardwired on, and you can never turn it off. We are always inhaling worth and exhaling worthship, the old Middle English word, We're always ascribing worth to things. We're always actively worshiping. So at the very heart of it, I disagree with the idea or the the designation of secular music. Uh, All music is religious. Everything has some sort of commitment to some kind of belief about God and so on. But I think I understand what the what the questioner is is asking. Should we listen to music that is not identifiably Christian? Uh, Should we listen to music created by and or performed by those who do not have clear Christian commitments in their thinking? Should we listen to and enjoy and partake in art that values and celebrates and condones and encourages thinking and feelings and behaviors that are in opposition to the Bible, opposition to the Word of God, that if we were to take the Word of God as our standard and apply it to the presuppositions and the lyrics and the content of this art, we would find it to be against our Lord and Savior. Should we listen to that? What are your all thoughts? Well, when you frame it like that, you would say hard no. <laughs> uh, if, if it was obvious. Yes. If it, it was obvious that it was against. If there's an obvious, and you're right, with the term secular, I mean, is it 
just that, well, we, we wouldn't sing that in church. Or, I wouldn't listen to that with if another Christian was in the room. <laughs> you see, and you start betraying some of what y- your um, excuses may be uh, according to what, what you believe. But then, you know, not everything that is created by a Christian may be suitable in a church worship service setting or, or something like that. We've made mention of Bach before, and he wrote a lot of instrumental music. And, you know, while I would be wholeheartedly in favor of hearing some of Bach in church sometimes, maybe it wouldn't be as helpful to our context, but at the end of every piece of music that Bach wrote, he put SDG, Soli Deo Gloria. He meant every piece of his music to be to the glory of God, even right. though today people think, well, that's just classical music. It's, it's neutral. It's they, not. They would call it secular. They would call it secular. And they say one of the masters, one of the greats, and they don't want to talk about the SDG at the end of the, every piece. So, you know, some things may not work in a church service, but they could still be God honoring. The difference, like you mentioned, is, is with you got to look at the source. Who is it who's writing this? What is their reason for doing this? We can't get to, too much in the tall weeds there, but if you can decipher the goal there, is it they want more money, they want more fame, they want to further this cause that's against the Lord, against, against his word, then yeah, maybe we shouldn't go along with the crowd, maybe, even though it may be popular. So what you're saying is it, it lies on a spectrum, and it involves what we would call discernment to kind of parse that out to see which ones are just not profitable, like I would say, like we were talking about before, my ACDC days are over, but I remember a specific song called Highway to Hell. And I would say, yeah, that that's probably something we should not be singing. We should not add worth to that. Whereas on the opposite side, if it's a song about a, a sad, sad story that either we can relate to or we know specifically something about in our heritage, and we sing it and we are almost brought to tears for that reason, that may have more profitability to it than this overt wickedness that we see coming through. Yeah, I think the main point is to apply the standard of God's word to what you are consuming in terms of your music. There are all kinds of uh, songs out there where the composers and artists themselves may not be always Christian or, you know, faithfully thinking about the truths of Scripture. And yet... They write things and they sing things that would comport with a Christian worldview that would be in agreement with the scripture. So there's plenty of examples, positive examples of things you could listen to uh, in terms of bluegrass and other kinds of uh, folk music that would be in agreement with the word of God. And you can say, you know, even give an amen to their view of the depravity of man or even talk about the longing and hope for paradise and heaven that is... You know, that, that totally comports with, you know, a Christian worldview. And there's plenty of examples within that genre and other genres that does not fit and is clearly not. And so as you listen, should, I think is the other term that we need to define and be clear on, should Christians listen to secular or let's just call it, um, you know, obviously non-Christian music. Okay. Well, should we listen to it? Well, I think we should. I think we should. The question is, should we listen to it for enjoyment? Now, that, that's another question. Like, should we li- be listening to, you know, pagan, God-defying, Christ-blaspheming music for enjoyment? No. <laughs> no obviously not. 
that's an easy answer. Should we listen to music that wasn't composed by a Christian or that wasn't played by a Christian and so on? I think that the answer in the broadest sense is, yeah, yeah, you should listen to it because you need to apply God's word to it. Should you keep on listening to it with an enjoyment if it's if it's counter to the word of God? I don't see the point in that. But you could listen to 10 songs on an album and seven of them could be, you know, hey, that's that's profitable. That's great. And then three of them be like, well, <laughs> that's obviously not in agreement with the word of God. But we should have discernment operating at all times. Yeah, that's as we're told to practice our discernment in the scriptures. That's that's technically what we're doing. And we could use those seven songs and those other three songs to teach our children discernment as well to a certain degree, mm-hmm. depending upon, you know, how, how bad those other three are. But we could definitely kind of parse apart <laughs> what we are seeing and what we want them to see as well, right? Sure. Then you got the question of, well, should Christians ever perform secular music or should non-Christians ever perform Christian music? I think every artist has sung Amazing Grace at one point or another, <laughs> whether or not they understand it. And I still get tickled whenever I get um, music suggestions of they like a song when do it for church and they send me the Mormon Tabernacle Choir's version of it. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes there's a blurring of lines. And while I don't think we have to be too tribalistic or too polar, and when we're discussing this, there there is a... Like you said at the beginning, Michael, there's a worship war going on. There's there's a vying for attention one way or another. And so we have to be discerning, be wise, and realize what it does to us as well. Sometimes we want, for educational purposes, what's what's going on out there? What are folks listening to? What's being, what's driving the culture right now? And it's good to understand some of those things, but also don't be deceived. We We can be sucked in as well. We can be influenced as well. And we need to be careful what we put in our, our minds as well. Kind of a adjacent, but kind of a uh, the same issue. Are we, we're not excluding genres, right? We're talking about specific songs within genres, because I know sometimes it is a tendency for Christians to view a, a genre that has a lot of worthlessness in it. But finally, when somebody injects a little bit of worth in there, but they've already written off the genre itself, where do we land on that? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, uh, Dylan. Uh, for some folks, it's a matter of conviction. Think about the passage in Romans fourteen through chapter fifteen, verse seven, and similar passages that there are some genres of art and music uh, and so on that for some folks, anything anything that comes out of that genre is simply tainted by the demonic aspects, the idolatry aspects that were that have been there in most of their experience and in most of their understanding about it. And so anything yeah, within that genre, they just can't have anything to do with. And I think that we need to recognize that that we are to act in love to one another and bear with one another and accept one another in Christ. And if somebody has an issue and a problem with that, we shouldn't be, you know, shoving that in their face or whatever or trying to convince them to act contrary to their conscience, which would be sin. So certainly not to do that. But on the other hand, uh, someone else, you know, is going to say, you know, I don't really have any strong convictions one way or another about any kind of genre of music. And I'm just always interested in finding people who can do a good job with this genre or that genre and, 
and they can even glorify God while they do it. And, and I really enjoy that. So we can have examples of that in a variety of genres. I don't know if there's a good example for screamo. Um, you know, there, there are some forms of expression that I think in and of themselves are contrary to the truth, goodness, and beauty paradigm that we have and the revelation of who God is uh, through the scriptures. So... Well, then you also kind of think of uh, cultures not necessarily our own, but those who are coming to faith in other pagan cultures, and forever they have used certain instruments in the worship of, of demons or other, you know, false gods, and they come to Christ, and because that's so associated mm. with demonic worship before, they can't bring themselves to make any music with those instruments. It's just too much. It's It's a case of... Well, that's meat sacrificed to idols. I can't, I can't touch that, and and it is a conscious issue. And then you have the exact opposite story for some of those cultures. They turn those instead of worshiping idols, they they worship their creator with them again. So it's just it is a matter of how can you see the gifts God has given in musically in whatever genre it is. How can you see it as used for His glory, or is it still so associated with? a cultural uh, norm or, you know, just something so evil. I, I, I got to pull back from this because I, I just, I can't get through that. Right. It's kind of the opposite of the weapons being turned into plowshares type of thing where they don't think that inanimate object can be used for God's glory. And they've injected their past worship into that object where we would say that that's not really the case. Right. So we have to be, we have to bear with one another in love and accept one another in Christ about these issues. And, I think that's um, I think that's important to remember. Dick, for example, I forget what the lead singer's name is of Skillet, but um, John Cooper. John Cooper, right? So, so he is working very diligently in trying to understand the Word of God and Christianity on an increasingly deeper level, and getting discipled, and is very grounded with his local church, and has a very big view in terms of getting the gospel to the masses. Now, his music, okay, um, it's going to be reprehensible to all kinds of Christians. And if you never play, but if you never played a note of his music for them, and you just said he's a, he's a musical artist, you just let him talk to Christians, there'd be all kinds of agreement and rejoicing in his heart to see the unsaved saved and, and his view of the glory of Christ and the importance of the scriptures and so on. But this just goes to show how we can have a unity in Christ, even though we have different convictions about some of these styles. I've always been marveled by such strong convictions of styles. I'm I'm more of a, an advocate for the the height of each style that you bring across. Like if you have a style that you want to have in worship, it better be to the nth degree that you can produce it. But what do you think causes this really heavy attachment to a certain style? Is it maybe personal upbringing and understanding of this is the music that mom and dad had, grandma and grandpa had? So is there like a ancestral attachment to it? Because I can understand that. Or is it something else? Well, sometimes it's an ancestral detachment. Mm, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's what my parents did. I want to do the exact opposite. Yeah, there's there's some things, some cultural things, some moral things. There's good attached to this kind of music. Therefore, everything else is evil, and so you can't get away from it. But usually, if you really strip it away, it's a personal desire. 
a personal bend. And um, we have to do some hard heart searching from Philippians 2 of looking at not only our interests, but the interests of others, being humble as Christ was. Uh, there's, there's a little bit too much of I want what I want when I want it in our personal uh, independent kind of worship style or, or music style, just the me movement, everything about me. Because of that, and because our voices are heard, and we can be as loud as we want, and whoever complains the most gets what they want, sometimes that's, that's what's pushed. So it takes wisdom and a lot of patience to work through that and help folks along. Yeah, so I think that's an additional reason to, when we're answering the question, should Christians listen to secular music? And Dylan, your point about there's all these different uh, genres and styles of music, and those aren't the uh, and the ones that we're familiar with are not the only ones who are that are out there, right? But whatever it is, if you enjoy this music, can you enjoy it? Can you create it? Can you engage in it to the glory of God? Can you rejoice in um, God as Creator who has made this world and made music as a huge part of it? who we can even see in the beauty and, and the dance that he has made in all of cre- the created order, can we just rejoice in the the variety of the music that that man has engaged with so far? And we, while recognizing that, you know, vast swaths of it were done in vain mm-hmm. uh, for pagan for pagan glory, for for the exaltation of someone's own name, rather than for the glory of God. But there's all kinds of uh, examples within this variety of music where we can rejoice in and give praise to God for his obvious creativity in making man and making man to be creative in and of himself uh, for the glory of God. And so we, when we take that and we think about how it impacts the church, that we recognize that what we engage in as Christians and bring together, when we, when we gather together, should also be in excellence and should bring glory to God. And I know we've already talked about some of those principles in previous episodes, but it's, you know, should we listen to secular music? I think if we understand what the term secular actually means, if we understand, you know, the obligation or the intentionality of the word should and so on, I think there's value there, but there certainly should not be a a mindless imbibing of it. A no neutrality. Right. We come to that secular music as Christians. That's not, right. Not as some void mind. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We'll move on to what are we thankful for, Michael? I am thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for her diligence and wisdom and preparation, setting things aside from months and years past so that we can enjoy them in the present and very thankful for all the extra things that she does that I have no consciousness of. <laughs> and uh, But I know that I'm blessed by day in and day out. Yeah, I'm thankful, uh, as we all are, for God's Word, which continues to prove itself over and over again, which uh, is, is never wrong and is, is faithful to us in all ages, in all scenarios, whatever may come our way, the Word of God is sufficient to help us, to help us grow and instruct us in righteousness, help us to be fully equipped for His work. The longer I'm alive, the more and more I see it. Amen. Well, I am very thankful for my kiddos being curious about music. 
Um, right now we're we're struggling to talk with Killian, but he still has this profound need to play with tone and pitch and use his voice um, to sing as only he can. So you know it, it's kind of interesting that he he has a knee jerk reaction to do that. He has a knee jerk reaction to lift his voice without being able even to speak complete sentences all the time. So I'm thankful that for that curiosity. I hope to push it in the right directions and mold it and enjoy it because I know it's something that if you don't practice it, if you don't mold it, it can go different ways and it goes different ways quickly. And I'd really like to to help him out with it and all of, all of the siblings after him, including Cohen. And that wraps it up for today. We are very thankful for our listeners and hope you will join us again as we meet to answer common questions and objections with Have You Not Read.